time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. All right, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. It is Friday, and if you're listening to my voice on this particular Friday, then at this time, I'm probably in the air on my way to the Philippines uh, via Chicago, via Tokyo on a 26-hour journey. Uh, where I'll be over there speaking at uh, the International Graduate School of Leadership. And I'm very excited about all the teaching and preaching we're going to be doing there. But um, we'll continue these podcasts, and uh, you'll have some more podcasts on Monday, even though I'll be gone. I've recorded these uh, ahead of time so that you can uh, not miss a podcast. Hey, we're talking about your heavenly bank account here at the Vintage Truth Podcast. And we were in Philippians chapter 4 and talking about how the Philippians had supported Paul's ministry and it was in that context that he said hey I'm not seeking just the monetary gift you're giving me he said man I'm seeking the the benefit to you that you're going to get out of this so you're going to have the joy of giving you have the joy of worshiping God through giving but he says I seek it for the profit that increases to your account Philippians 4 17 says and they have a heavenly bank account as it were there there's a a heavenly savings account that we are storing up for whenever we do something for God with the right motive. And sometimes, and our giving is a part of that. When we support gospel ministries, when we support churches and nonprofits that are doing stuff for God, you know, it's, it's kind of like this. You, you give money to people to do stuff that either you can't do for yourself or you don't want to do for yourself. Like if you're adding on to your house, you're going to give money to a construction company, to a carpenter to do that for you. Why? Because if you picked up a hammer and saw, you'd probably saw the house down. You're not that talented. Or maybe it's just beyond your area of expertise. You want to have some new lights put in the ceiling. Well, you don't want to get fried by electricity. So you hire a guy to come do it, you know? Or you go to a restaurant and you say, hey, tonight I don't want to cook. I want to pay you to cook my meal and to bring my meal to me and to get me some extra ketchup if that's what I want. I mean, we give money to people so they do stuff that either we can't do or that we don't want to do. Now watch this. When you support financially ministries and beginning with your own church, but when you support ministries, you're basically saying, hey, my arms aren't as long as yours. I can't lift the weight that you lift. I'm not as good as at doing certain things. And God's called you to do something. And I, God hasn't called me to do that. But I want to help you do it. Then the Bible says that that is part of what earns us a profit in our heavenly bank accounts. Not all that we do. Giving is not all that we do for Christ, obviously. But it's one part of it. And Paul says in, in verse 18 of Philippians 4, he says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. Hey, it's okay for a ministry to have an abundance because guess what? June, July, and August will be desert months for that ministry. They're going to need extra supply in May. That's what Paul's saying. He said, hey, it's good because that'll enable us to keep going to the cupboard, you know? I mean, go, go ahead and top off the gas tank because we have a long trip ahead. Even though we're just going 30 miles today, next month we're going to go 500 miles, we'll need that gas. That's what he's saying. He says, I am amply, amply supplied, having received 
from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And listen, look, look, look at what he calls this financial gift. He, he calls it a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You see, in the Christian community, and rightly so, we have condemned those who have built people out of money, who have promised them things for money, who are shysters, uh, they're con artists. Uh, Paul called them hucksters or peddlers of the gospel. They just want your money and want to build their ego. That's all they want, Paul says. But you know, when you give a gift to a ministry that, that needs it, or to your church, or you support even an individual, then God calls that a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. It it smells good to the people who, who need it. I mean, if you're hungry, a hot meal smells good, right? And if your ministry is starving financially, then when that check comes, that gift comes, man, it's, it's like dinner time. <laughs> Sometimes it literally means dinner time for some ministries, but, but watch this. It calls it here, Paul calls it an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. In other words, it is literally an act of worship. You got to get your head out of Sunday morning, standing up, singing words on a screen. That can be worship. But worship is also what, what else you do with your life. It's also how you give to others. It's an act of worship. I've got some, some guys who are bringing over some wood to my house for our furnace. And, uh, you know, it's a couple of days ago. It's still down the 40s at night here. And that's how we heat our home. And this big outdoor furnace that supplies, you know, I'm going to all how it works. But they're going to bring some wood. That's an act of worship because they're helping this ministry have heat so that we can continue to do what we do. It, it's, it's a gift. And Paul says it's well-pleasing to God. Now, notice what he says in verse 19. I found this very, very interesting. Because they did this. Look what Paul says God's going to do for you. He says, And my God shall, shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Whoa. So it's, it's like Paul is saying, Because you gave to me, God's going to make sure your needs are taken care of. Now, he doesn't promise you health, perfect health. He doesn't promise you prosperity. He doesn't say that if you give $10, you'll get a check for 100 in the mail. It's not saying that. But he says God's going to supply your needs. God's going to allow you to do what I've been able to do, and that is, in these previous verses, to be content. You know, earlier, when Paul was talking about supporting those who have ministered to you, in Galatians chapter 6, he says this. He says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. He's basically saying, you need to support those who have invested spiritually into your life. What is more important? Let me ask this. What is more important ultimately in the grand scheme of things? Is money more important? Or is your spiritual life more important? Is your relationship with God, does your relationship with God take priority over your bank account? I, I would say checkbook, but so many people have done away with checkbooks. Does your relationship with God trump your bank account? Is it, is it a higher priority to you to invest in that 
or, or simply to make money in, in the world. I'm, I'm obviously, if you're a Christian, it's your spiritual relationship with God, right? And he's saying, if, if there's a person or a ministry or a church that has significantly impacted your spiritual life, who has made you a better Jesus follower, they have poured into you either one-on-one or, or in a small group or in a large group, but they have invested, they have, they've plowed the field of your heart and they have carefully and effectively and competently planted the seed of the word of God. They explained the Bible. They've shown you what Jesus was like. They've shown you what the Bible means. He's saying, if that has happened to you, in verse six, you need to share all good things with him who teaches. That's what Paul's saying. And then he, the very next verse says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. He's not just talking about all the bad people out there. You're going to reap what you sow, young man. It's actually written to people about giving to those who are teaching them in the ministry or who have had ministry in their life, a biblical teaching ministry in their life. He says, for the one who sows to his own flesh, if you just think about yourself, shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. There's going to be a value of your eternal life, a value of your reward in heaven, the Bible says. And he follows it up by saying, so let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not uh, grow weary. So he's saying, if you continue to persevere in this area of giving, then you're going to reap something from it. You're going to get something from it. Beyond the joy of giving, beyond the joy of seeing what God does through your money, beyond even the, the act of worship that your giving is, there's going to be something in the future waiting for you. And he concludes in verse 10 of Galatians 6, So then, here's the conclusion, while we have opportunity, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Wow. So do good to everybody, but particularly those who are in the family. Take care of your own. So you say, all right, Jeff, so, so what is this what, what is this heavenly reward going to look like? You know, I mean, what's this going to be? And, and here's the deal. What we do for Christ today matters because tomorrow is coming. So what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, there's an event that God has planned for you that's coming. And the Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema, the Bema. And the purpose of this judgment seat is to evaluate our Christian works and to give heavenly rewards to those who've spent their lives establishing and expanding God's kingdom. Now watch this. Every time you do something for God, not just giving to ministries, but it's everything you do for God. Every time you do something for God, God's depositing another 
deposit into your bank account in heaven. He's, he's putting something aside for you. You're building up heavenly equity because the day is coming when there's going to be a rewards ceremony. When you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now watch this. In the ancient Olympic games, when men would run a race, and, and by the way, they ran naked. Figure that one out, okay? I guess they, you know, think you don't want their toga to hinder them, whatever. But they're running this race. And at the end of the race, there were winners. There was gold, silver, and, and bronze, okay? It eventually became gold, silver, and bronze. But in those days, the winner got a wreath on their head. It was a, a wreath that was a, an olive branch that was woven and placed on their head. And the Bible calls that the, the crown or the Stephanos. If you know anyone named Stephen, that's, uh, that's the Greek word crown, okay? And this crown was given to the victor, to the person who won the race. And it was given by a judge, the judge of the games, and the judge of the games set, sat upon this, this raised platform. And the raised platform, this, the seat that he sat on was called the bema, the judgment seat. So when Paul begins to write about the judgment seat of Christ, he draws on this Olympic analogy, okay? So... What what is this uh, what is this judgment seat like? Well, in First Corinthians three, we begin to get an idea of what it's like. He's talking about the uh, the foundation of our Christian life. He says in First Corinthians three verse twelve. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, each man's work will become evident. For the day, the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he, upon he is built remains, then he'll receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, it will suffer loss, loss of rewards. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, one of the most common questions that I'm asked regarding the judgment seat of Christ is, hey, I thought Jesus forgave all our sins, at the cross, or, or is he going to bring up sin here? Well, what's the deal here? No, the answer is no. This is not a judgment regarding sin. Jesus Christ paid for every sin you have ever committed or will ever commit. All your sins were erased, were forgiven, were washed, were cleansed. You were cleansed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So this is not a judgment for sin. It's a judgment determining reward. Okay? So that's what he's saying here. Now, when, G, when the fire of Jesus' judgment hits kind of the highlight reel of everything we've ever done for God, that's the only thing we're going to see in this reel. It's all your highlights. But God's going to judge it based upon what you did for him and why you did it. Because uh, Scripture tells us that He's going to also test our motives, our motives, because in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, he says, uh, verse 4, I'm conscious of nothing against me, yet I'm not by that acquitted. The one who examines me is the Lord. 
Therefore, do not go in passing judgment before the time, that's the Bema, but wait until the Lord comes, that's when it's going to happen, who will both bring to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from the Lord. So God honors not only things that we do for him, but also why we do it. Did you do it for recognition? Did you do it so people could see you? Did you sing up there on stage so that people could see you? Did you did you preach? Did you give your testimony? Did you lead a Bible study? Did you give a ride to kids to church? Whatever you do for God, tell someone else about Christ. Is it for you or is it for him? He's going to judge the motives. Now, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which we're going to begin to touching on this time, they conclude on Friday's broadcast. In 2 Corinthians 5, he gives us a little window into this, uh, this judgment seat. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed or rewarded for his deeds done while in the body, while living in this body on the earth, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And the word bad here means worthless. So he's going to look at the worthless things we did for God, and he's going to look at the profitable things or the good things that we did for God as well. Then he says, uh, knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, the respect for the Lord, we persuade men. We, we go out and we do things for God. But we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest to you also in your conscience. Now, what can we learn about what Paul is saying about this event called the judgment seat of Christ? Well, here's a couple things that we can learn. First of all, the judgment is for all believers. Any person who is a Christian, a true Christian, will make an appearance before the judge, before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And again, it's an evaluation. It's a reward ceremony. It's not a time for judgment in the, in the sense that he's going to judge you heaven or hell. That's already been decided. You have no reason to have fear for your salvation if you're a believer. He says we must all appear. He had earlier written that each man's work will become evident and that each man's praise will come from God. So, in other words, from Pentecost all the way to the rapture, every Christian that's lived will individually appear before this judgment seat of Christ. Secondly, it is a time of actual judgment. You know, our postmodern politically correct culture has perverted many biblical truths, redefining them and misapplying them, and none more so than the word judge. Judging today carries one primary meaning, and that's to condemn. But there's no condemnation at this, at this judgment. So to judge here simply means to evaluate. And as judge of the games, Jesus will reward deserving participants based on a fair, just, and accurate evaluation of their lives immediately following the rapture. Now, friends, before we go on and for this next broadcast, I just want to say one more thing to you. And we're going to jump back into this passage here next time. But this judgment seat of Jesus Christ needs to be one of the things that motivates us in our Christian lives. Because we get right now, we get the opportunity to do things for God for heavenly reward. We have a chance to make an impact in this world for him. And if we have the opportunity, 
we need to dive in and make sure we are not wasting our lives and doing worthless deeds. We'll pick it up on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.